Thanks for taking time out of your day to join us here on The Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to save more and spend less, and don't let anyone ever rip you off. Speaking of ripoffs, I need to make sure you're aware of a big ripoff involving your home air conditioning, a pitch that you need to be skeptical of. It's coming up for you later. I want to talk right now about something that's been ultra-popular on our main website, Clark.com, we have a new guide where you can watch movies online for free, either on your phone or through a streaming product to your TV or tablet or laptop. This is an area that is the fastest growing form of streaming, is ad-supported streaming services that are heavily geared towards movies Uh, many times there'll also be free older television series but the big payoff with these is being able to watch movies for free and so we've got a list for you of a ton of these services most of which well nobody seems to have ever heard of isn't that weird the way that works so let me hit you with some of them Big Five Glories, and this is one that you're able to watch on your cell phone, no subscription, no sign-up, lots of free movies. Now, there's one that is the most polarizing of all free television services, and that's Sony Crackle. Sony Crackle is a free streaming service, mostly movies, And it is a lot of films that, if you love movies from the 80s, they got them. Uh, And then movies that bombed from more recent times, but maybe things that you like, you'll find them there. Now, why is Crackle, Sony Crackle, so polarizing? A lot of movies that may have been hard to find, that you might have had to pay to rent, you're able to see for free. But the ad part of it is kind of buggy, difficult, lots of ads that stop at various points in a movie and take, you know, anytime you have ads in a movie, it takes away some of the momentum of the movie. But remember, you're paying nothing. Another one that I don't think anybody's heard of is Classic Cinema Online. And it's especially big on westerns and older movies that you may be interested in and a lot of independent films a lot of people who love independent films would love to have a good outlet to be able to find those and they're there i've got a lot of others for you in this briefing on free movie outlets free movie choices the reality is With all the programming packages available with free programming, you could start watching now and be a decade older and not have made it through the libraries of films available at these sites. And it's not because all the hours of commercials you have to watch either. Mike is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Mike. Yes, Clark. I'm a big fan and I appreciate you taking my call. Certainly. I've been shopping 
uh, a little bit for a dash cam and didn't know if you had any suggestions on what would be the best value or the most bang for the buck. So dash cams, for people who are not familiar with these, these are a really smart purchase because what a dash cam allows you to do is in the event that you're in an unfortunate meeting with another vehicle, you have video of the situation. And in the event that somebody decides, even when they're at fault, they tell some tall tale, the video you have is fantastic to protect yourself. And the dash cams now are confusing to buy. Because have you seen many times they're as cheap as like $15? Yes, I have seen those, but I'm a little wary of, you know, you get what you pay for. Well, (laughs) I guess you're right. I, of course, being cheap guy, I did try uh, one that was $14.99, and it was worth about $0.99. And now I use one that I paid $49 for that seems great. So you want one that continuously records. If you really want to be sophisticated with it, you don't have to spend a lot for it. You want one that also will uh, geolocate where you are at the time. Okay. And the video that these things shoot is extraordinary. And all you do is you put in the SD card... Some of the most sophisticated ones will even go to the step of when, when it senses you're in an accident, will automatically store the last, uh, I guess it's 15 minutes that it then holds for you so you can't record over it. But at the very least, what you do is if you are ever in an incident is that you just pop out that SD card and you've got that. But you can spend, I mean, gosh, now there are some of these available that are $200 that have both, if you don't have a um, backup camera in your vehicle, they Mm -hmm. also have backup camera capabilities as part of the package. Do you have to professionally install, get these installed? No, the ones, uh, forgetting the ones that have the backup camera, just a regular dash cam, the time to install it in your car is the time it takes to get the anti-shoplifting packaging off of it. Okay. Because once you have it open, all you do is you put in the, the power cord into the dash cam, plug it into your cigarette lighter in the car. Do we even call them that anymore? The power mm-hmm. outlet in your car? And you mount the thing on your dash and it's running. Okay, great. And I love these things because... There are so many cases where, as an example, let's say somebody's in a very low-speed accident, and it's your fault, and the other person somehow is now claiming after they see an ad on bad TV for one of those lawyers that say they're going to make you rich following an accident, that suddenly they have all kinds of injuries from the accident. The video is fantastic, and cuts the lawyers off at their knees, not literally, just figuratively. And you have wonderful, wonderful defense to provide your insurer, or if there's a lawyer who ends up defending you, you've got that. And that's why the dash cams can be very valuable, even if you are the party at fault. 
Jim joins us. Hello, Jim. Hey, Clark. How you doing? Great, thank you, Jim. You got a question about your 401k. Let's see if I can be of help. Yeah, I'd like to also thank you. You always thank all the servicemen, and I believe you are in the reserve, too. And I'd like to thank you for your services also. I'm actually in what's known as the State Guard, which about half of the nation's states have. And we serve as support for the National Guard, the Air and Army National Guard units, depending on how each state uses a State Guard. Okay, well, thank you very much for that service. Certainly. And all the other gentlemen. Yeah, like I was saying, I had a mortgage for 20 years, and I had nine years left on it, and it was leaving me an option to either take money out of my 401k, which I know you hate that word, and get a loan at four and a quarter percent on my 401k loan, and then four and a quarter percent paid back into the loan at the payment of what I was making, which was like 258. When I added it all up... Oh, so you wiped out... Wait, do I follow what you're saying? You wiped out the remaining nine years of your mortgage by doing a low interest rate loan from your 401k. Paying back into my 401k. That was That's a very interest. smart idea because the balance at that point on your mortgage was not one that made sense to refi the mortgage. So you did your own equivalent of a mortgage refi getting a much lower rate. What was your mortgage at that you had the nine years left on? What interest rate? Six and a half. It came out to, I think, 32 or 35. I was going to wind up saving with the five years of not paying it. That w- That's really great. So now and you're paying back your 401k loan, and how can I be of help with that? Well, that that's good. I, I'm, I'm grateful with that. My company is very generous with us. They give us... If I put 100 in, they give us $66, which is un- unbelievable with people when I tell them. That's it. excellent. Yeah, excellent 401k. I've always been maxed out on that. Now, I do have some money left from the passing of my dad. And, oh, I'm sorry uh, you lost your dad. Uh, thank you very much. Hospice was very, very good, and I, I made a nice donation to them. I said it to myself that I would give them a percentage of what I received from my dad because they gave me five more months with him, you know, so I was very grateful to them. That, now that leads me to the point of the money I have left from from my dad, would it be wise to just pay off my 401k loan now or just do it? I think I only have two years left or one year left. And I'm not, I don't... I'm what not other things saying. are going on in your life that might be an alternative use of that money? Is there anything else that is a priority that you could or should use that money for instead? No, I'm not. I need a new car every five years. I have a car for 12 years and it runs great. It's got 70000 You know, stuff like that doesn't phase me, you know. Um, then I, I think it's a good idea because the money is earning nothing for you right now, really. Right. So paying off the 401k loan early sounds like a really solid plan. Yeah, you did say one other thing a couple shows back as far as windows that they take three lifetimes to pay off. And I am in Florida, and and they're not jealousy windows, but they do, I can see cracks in them, you know, air spot, air air leaks. And you say it would be wiser just to have somebody come in and assess them and possibly just do window treatments and stuff? I think think, uh, doing caulking and weather stripping with windows usually makes the most sense. If you go on the web to energystar.gov and read what they say, 
energystar.gov is the website. You go there and you'll see that Windows have like about the worst payback of any energy saving improvement you could do to your home just about there is unless the window's blown out and there's no window there then you replace it but other than that windows make may make you more comfortable in a room but the payback is not there that's why weather stripping and caulking are usually a much better plan now those windows you're talking about those that crank and have all the different slats Right, there's only just two. It's like a jalousy, but there's only two windows, really. I would have to say, having a couple of those, it might be worth replacing them just because of the comfort factor, because those let in so much outside air and could be pretty intensely hot in the summer. Yeah, yeah, there is one room that no matter what I do, it will not cool down. Yeah, I think that's the reason to do it, not for an energy payback. And that could make sense just as a lifestyle choice. And that won't take a lot of money to replace a couple of windows. And best to you, Jim, I want to tell you, my heart goes out to you about your dad, but what you said about hospice, what a wonderful, nice thing. Cindy's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Cindy. Hi, Clark. How you doing? I'm great. Thanks for taking my question. Sure. (laughs) Well, here's the question. My husband and I recently purchased uh, a new car and it may be to your liking a hybrid (laughs) and well it's probably more to your liking because you don't have to buy a lot of gasoline (laughs) right it is actually our third hybrid so we love them the salesperson asked if we wanted both our names on the title and so we said yes then coming home my husband questioned whether we made this right decision. So I guess the question is, if one of us caused a serious auto accident, would one name on the title limit by half our assets subject to loss uh, in a possible lawsuit? Uh, (laughs) No, as a practical matter, and I'm answering this as a non-lawyer, as a practical matter, you don't change the nature of what happens here unless one of you owns pretty much all your wealth that could potentially change the answer but if you are in life together not just in love but also with your assets then it really is not a significant difference whether the car is owned individually or collectively by both of you okay because I guess we were just wondering, you know, if we did have that accident and, you know, it went beyond uh, what's in the insurance and they started coming after all of our other assets by lawsuit and, you know, both names were on the car, I guess they'd just come after both of us. Yeah, it doesn't, that doesn't make a, a significant difference, likely. It would be a rare situation where that did. Do you and your husband have a lot of investments assets of various types and not a lot of debt right exactly so this conversation you've had with each other leads me to a different thought and that is do both of you have an umbrella insurance policy yes and and do you have a substantial amount or a base amount it's over the base amount okay so you're already doing the right things okay if you're very worried that there could be a catastrophic claim 
and you have developed what I call a success tax, a lot of assets over the years, then what you might want to consider is boosting the amount of umbrella insurance you have. And if you don't know what I'm talking about with Cindy about an umbrella policy, what it is is it's an excess uh, coverage that sits over everything in your life. If there was something where someone was trying to extract huge money from you and holding you responsible for something, the liability of it, the umbrella policy sold in multiples of $1 million provides that additional protection. The policies are cheap because the possibility of this happening to you is remote, but if it does happen, it's past ugly. Glad you're with us on the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you learning ways to save more and spend less, and don't let anyone ever rip you off. Clark.com is our main website. ClarkDeals.com is where we post bargains for you, deals for you, every day of the week around the clock. So deal or no deal, air conditioners at your home may have to be replaced. Although that is true, I need to tell you about a huge ripoff alert. So here's the deal. There is a Freon known as R22 that's being banned before next summer season. So it's usable this summer season, but at the turn of the year, it's not going to be sold anymore. You're not going to be able to get it. And it's because of the problems that Freon causes for, I guess, the atmosphere. But what you should know is there are reports from various communities around the country that air conditioning salespeople are telling people that their air conditioner will no longer work after this season and that they have to buy a new one. So it's actually pretty easy for you to know whether your air conditioner is going to be A-OK or not. So all you do is most easily you can go to the manufacturer's website of the air conditioning unit you have. Model number will be on it, and you'll be able to see if, in fact, your air conditioner is going to be obsolete at the turn of the year. There is also another way for you to figure it out. You'd have to have an air conditioner that is ancient for it to be obsolete. And actually, if yours is as old as I'm going to share with you, it's so inefficient, you probably want to dump it anyway and get a newer, much more efficient unit. Most any unit manufactured before 1996, that means it would have to be 23 years old. Not a lot of us have a unit that old. Would almost certainly be one that's impacted and would have to be replaced. Now, the other thing is that if you happen to have one that was worth retrofitting, you can retrofit, but as a general rule, don't do that. I have a more complete briefing for you at Clark.com. And the important thing with this is only when you're getting the pitch where you're told your air conditioner isn't going to work next year, do I want you to go worry about this. Otherwise, odds are pretty strong you're just fine. And the remember, 
the pitch sometimes is true. Most of the times telling you you have to replace your air conditioner is not true at all. Alex is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Alex. Hi. How are you doing, Clark? Great. Thank you, Alex. You're having a problem with your auto insurance. What's happening? Yes, sir. So this past June, my wife's car was in the shop, so we had a rental car, and um, I, I was in, in the parking lot. I looked in my rearview mirrors. I looked over my shoulder, but there just happened to be a pole that just right in my blind spot. Yeah. That was a... Yeah, and, and, and I was trying to get out of the way for somebody to get into my parking spot, so I did gas it a little more than uh, than I probably should have and crunch and, uh, you know, had a $500 deductible, paid that. They did send the bill, which was, I think, $2,400 was what the total amount was. Um, that is one expensive pole in a parking lot, isn't it? Yeah. Yes, it took out, you know, a lot of the plastic, the bumper, and, and the rear, the right rear um, taillight, but it also did get into, but this is probably where it got expensive, it got into the metal part of the, you know, the, the back panel. That's probably where it got expensive right there. How fast do you think you were going, like four or five miles oh. an hour when you hit it? Yes, yeah. When I took it back to the rental place and I signed all this stuff with them, uh, they looked at it and they were like, oh, wow, that's that's really not bad compared to a lot of the others. So I was thinking, well, hopefully this won't make my insurance go up too much. And then I'm already paying 180 for two cars. My term is, is renewing, and they went up $110. So about so from 180 to 290 per month. So yeah. you're going to pay over one year about half of what the – no, two-thirds, because you had a $500 deductible – you're going to pay an additional premium two-thirds of what the repair cost was. Yeah, basically. Wow. And I want to add salt to the wounds, which you don't want. <laughs> Do you know that the, your insurer has now put you in an industry database that if you go shop with other insurers, it's going to show that you had this claim and other insurers are going to be afraid to insure you or charge a lot more to have you. All right, yeah. That was the basic worry was uh, I didn't, I kind of wanted to ask before I get in knee-deep into quoting here and quoting there. It's worth uh, it to spend the time. It's it worth it for it. you to spend the time because different insurers will treat this differently one from another. Yeah. So and The big change that I noticed, from this past term to the future term is I lost three-year safe driving. And then I think there's one other thing, too, that, that you know, on the discounts they list that you have. So they clobbered um, you double all at once. Basically, yeah. All right. Um, can I ask a question, Alex? Do you have a, a car loan on either or both of your cars? Uh, my wife's car, uh, we do. My car is paid off completely, but I have a much older car and i don't even have all the extra comprehensive because you know it's one of those old cars. okay that was exactly where i was going with this so yeah. on your wife's car you may find that it'll be worth it to raise that deductible from 500 okay and this is something that i love for you to always look at is having as high a deductible as you could stand since she has a loan her lender will have a limit on how much you can raise the deductible. But if you have a higher deductible, you're not going to make that claim 
and you're not going to get right. hit with the higher premiums because they haven't done you any favor. Over over three years, they're going to collect far more from you than what the claim cost them, the 1900 it cost them. They're going to collect double that over right. three years. So right. that's why I don't like for you, unless you have to, unless you just can't come up with the money, making a small claim. Okay. But yeah. shop it. Shop it and see what you can do with somebody else. And those polls, I've hit one before, they are always bad news. Ruth is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Ruth. Hello. How you doing, Ruth? I'm doing well, thank you. How can I serve you, Ruth? Well, I'm just old enough to wonder if I'm doing the right thing. I um, didn't begin saving for retirement until age 50. I have maxed out the Roth each year. Fantastic. I've been contributing to a 403B. Great. But now at this age, I was wondering if I should continue to go to the Roth or should I max out the 403B? And then if I happen to max that out, put anything extra towards a Roth. I would do the reverse. I would max out the Roth and then if there's more money you can save, then put it in the 403B. Okay. Because if you're early 60s and you didn't start saving till you're 50, you might work more years than you originally intended. Yes. And at age 70, even if you're still needing to work, you're going to be forced to start doing what are called RMDs, required minimum distributions. Mm-hmm. And you'll have money coming back at you that you'd rather have put aside building longer term for your future, potentially. Okay. Now, Ruth, are you in a job or profession where you're going to collect a pension? If I do, it's going to be small. Okay. So you're going to live on me, myself, and I. It's going to be yes. whatever you have from Social Security and whatever you've saved in this 403B and your Roth. Yes. Okay. As far as I know, <laughs> yes. All right. So that even emphasizes more the goal maxing out the Roth each year, which would be 6000 is the limit unless you're over 50, in which case it's 7000 Right. that you're allowed to do. And then the excess goes into the 403B. Okay. That's good to know. And are you sure happy if- with the choice you have for a Roth? Are you with a low-cost provider? If I can say the name? Okay. Go ahead. I'm with Vanguard. So you're with the lowest cost provider. Good. And that means that your money is very efficiently being put aside for your retirement. So good for you. And I do uh, monthly contributions so that it's... I've been listening to you for a while. (laughs) There's a real advantage to you doing the monthly contributions Mm -hmm. because we don't know at what point there's going to be a stock market decline. And so parceling money in and a method known as dollar cost averaging lowers your risk with a short-term decline in the market. So you're doing everything exactly right. Thank you for that. Sure, and continued success saving money because you're creating some freedom for you every single month with the money you're putting aside for your future. Jim joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Jim, you have a doozy of a problem because... People don't know they should trust you. Is that true? Yes, that's true, Clark. What's going on, Jim? Our primary residence is in Wisconsin, and we are snowbirds. 
and we winter down in the state of New Mexico. And we live in a rural area, and uh, the post office will not deliver mail to our home. So because of that, they have to provide us with a free post office box at the post office. So we drive. Oh, I know where you're going with this. (laughs) (laughs) So we drive into town and pick up our mail. Now, I've never had a problem until uh, just recently. We've, you know, UPS delivers to us and FedEx delivers to us. But my address down here is I have a street address and a post office box. And uh, twice now in the last week, I have been unable to make an online purchase because they say they won't deliver to a post office box. Now, one company suggested I go to the USPS website and verify my address. If I put my street address in first and then the post office box, that, that website will not find my address. But if I put in the post office box first and then the street address, it's there. It's verified. But apparently a lot of these new companies are, you know, if you, if you have a P.O. box. In they're your terrified. Address, they they're, won't verify. Yeah, they won't verify because they're terrified. Because <laughs> the amount of fraud, particularly smaller Internet sales organizations, get mm-hmm. eaten up by the fraudsters. Okay. And so a post office box for them is an automatic trigger. So I have a question for you. Are there any private mailing things like a, like a UPS store or anything like that in the town where you go pick up your mail? I'm afraid not. There might be something besides that. But, uh, you know, when we have to go shopping, if we want to go to the, any of the larger stores, we have to drive a 150-mile round trip to do that. So a lot of Internet merchants will sell to you It's just some you want to buy from, they don't want you. Yes. Okay, so if they're small ones, you know what I'd do? I'd send an email to the CEO or call and try to talk to the CEO. Not the toll-free number, call the real number. Okay. For that online merchant, because they're in business to make money. They want to sell to you. (laughs) It's just their systems are set up to ferret you out. Because they're worried you're going to cheat them. Well, yeah. cheaters don't call up and say, please let me buy from you. <laughs> yeah, one of the items I, I tried to buy last week was uh, an antique, and there was only one available. And I had it in my cart, but they wouldn't let me <laughs> check out and buy it, so I lost it. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> so with <laughs> those smaller smaller online sellers, you know, it could be a, a five- or ten-person company. Just, mm-hmm, sure. just call up and talk to the owner. Don't call toll-free. Find their real number. Call them. Okay. Remember, somebody who's just trying to steal isn't going to do that. It's time for Ask Clark. That's where you post a question for me at Clark.com, and Joel will ask it for you. Yeah, Clark. Michael wants to know, he says, gift card granny is recommended on your website to buy discounted gift cards Whereas Gift Card Granny has many positive reviews, the websites it redirects you to have mixed ratings. For example, some of them have terrible reviews with the BBB, like 1.2 out of 10 based on 76 ratings. Ultimately, is Gift Card Granny and the sites it redirects you to fine to use to buy discounted gift cards? Okay, so Gift Card Granny gives you a sense of what the marketplace is, cents on the dollar, for buying a gift card that somebody doesn't want. 
And it's kind of uh, like Kayak, where Kayak has lots of fare information, hotel information, but many times will refer you to sellers that are really sketchy. So you use gift card granting like I want you to use Kayak in the travel world. You use it to survey the market, but then before you would buy on a gift card exchange, you need to check out the seller to make sure that uh, gift card seller is doing a good job, has a good rating. And if you ever do buy a gift card on one of the exchanges, always pay for it with a credit card, never with a debit card, because that will provide you some layer of benefit. The discount varies very much depending on the gift card you're looking to buy. Some of them are absolute screaming deals, but they always have that risk. Maureen wants to know, she says, I understand that you should have 10 times your annual salary by age 67 for retirement. Does this include the value of your home? And is this recommendation per couple or per person? All right. Now, that is a fantastic question. The most common answer, actually, is that you need 25 times your annual income saved by the time you would retire. And the idea of that is whatever age you'd retire, if you hit 25 times your income, that you could potentially never run out of money if you live on 4% of what you saved. And then you'd be able to deal with inflation over the years and all that. So that's to create a complete comfort zone. The 10 times is considered to be part of a puzzle where you mentioned age 67, you're getting your regular Social Security check at that time, you would have money to draw on from the money you saved, Um, you may have little pensions from prior jobs. So 10% is, 10 times, I'm sorry, is the minimum threshold for someone to have enough to not live a life in retirement of financial insecurity. But if you want to go for the whole shooting match, it's 25 times. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.